I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Shyam Selvadurai joins me again. The best-selling and award-winning author has just published a new novel, Mansions of the Moon. It's getting great notices for its immersive, sweeping, yet intimate story of Yasudhara, the uh, woman who married the Buddha. The book traces the couple's early love and life together, and then we see Siddhartha, who would later become the Buddha, as he becomes enlightened in how he abandons Yasudhara. The, ram- the ramifications of that, a woman whose uh, husband has abandoned her, are stark and looked at as Mr. Selvadurai weaves his tale with insight and empathy. Shyam Selvadurai is the author of the 1994 Giller Prize shortlisted Funny Boy, which was a uh, national bestseller and winner of the W.H. Smith Books in Canada First Novel Award and the Lambda Literary Award. It was made into a 2020 film directed by Deepa Mehta. His second book, Cinnamon Gardens, was shortlisted for the Trillium Award, and his third, The Hungry Ghosts, which uh, he was first on this program with in 2013, was shortlisted for the Governor General's Literary Award. His acclaimed novel for young adults, Swimming in the Monsoon Sea, was also shortlisted for the Governor General's Literary Award. Visit com for more information. This new book is published by Knopf Canada. Please uh, welcome back to the Plot Online program, Shyam Selvadurai. Mr. Selvadurai, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, um, you must forgive me, uh, Shyam. I don't. Um, I, I've never thought much about uh, Buddha or, or Siddhartha or, or Yasodhara mm-hmm. um, until I started reading the book. Um, were you always interested in her? Well, I was always interested in um, him first. Really? Because yeah. I'd um, sort of, um, I mean, I grew up in a, in a Buddhist country, because uh, Sri Lanka is a Buddhist country, but the Buddhism that I knew there was sort of an organized religion with all the problems of other organized religions. And then around sort of 2000, I encountered um, um, Karen Armstrong's Buddha, and, and a book she'd written about the Buddha, and I just, it was a different um, version of Buddhism and what I uh, was used to. And I really, I felt really um, immediately drawn to it as a philosophy and as a way to live your life. And I found it very helpful for myself. And so I was interested in him, who this man was. Yeah. And it was also clear after doing a little bit of research that that story that we know of the Buddha as this spoiled 29-year-old who didn't know that people died or grew old or grew sick, that story comes in the second century, roughly around the second century AD, according to scholars, and the Buddha lived in 600 BC. So then I was very even more interested. Who is this man? Like, how did he come up with this philosophy? And I was reading a lot of the Buddhist stories and the folk stories, and I encountered this collection of, on Buddhist women, um, and I knew the translator, and mm-hmm. I just really loved it. So I asked her if she would come and speak at uh, uh, this literary festival I was running in Sri Lanka. And she said she would come, but could she speak about the Buddha's wife, Yasodhara? Mm. And I knew about this woman, but I'd actually never, you know, didn't know very much about her. And then the reason my this woman wanted to come and speak about her was because she just translated a 19th century poem called Yasodhara Vata, which is a lament by Yasodhara on being abandoned by her husband. And um, she sent me the book, and in the introduction she explained that the reason 
you know, and I understood why I hadn't heard anything much about this woman, because she had been effaced in a way from those early texts. Yeah. And because she was a mysterious, uh, you know, not really there, throughout the centuries, uh, writers had been interested in trying to interpret her. Sure. And so I read the poem, and then I immediately saw why writers were so interested in her. And it was because she, her story taps into a fundamental fear we have of, as humans, which is the abandonment by those we love. Mm. And I just um, really am connected with that. And that poem is sung at funerals, which is the ultimate abandonment by those we love. And so I just, um, and I suddenly thought, you know, here's a great way to write Siddharth or tell Siddharth the story, not through his point of view particularly, but rather from the point of view of his wife. And I think historical fiction works best when it's from those marginal characters because their very marginality, their um, their mysteriousness um, has a way of kind of um, energizing a fiction writer. Plus, of course, it's political, right? To write history from the marginal, uh, from people who are marginal in it. So so when when I'm reading the book, I'm I'm fascinated by um, her. And I'm interested to know about what, what, say, the, the role of women was in that ancient time. Um, was she typical of, say, women of that era? Yes, she was typical of women of that era. And what I um, discovered in my research about women's lives in that time was that it was was not great yeah. by any stretch of imagination, but it was better than it was for women in the centuries um, to come in India or South Asia because it didn't, in the Buddha's time, women didn't, um, there weren't dowries but bride prices, and um, women also, um, you know, the, they were free to travel wherever they wanted. They moved around freely. They um, owned property, ran businesses. They were acrobats. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they were um, the courtesans at that time, very, very rich women who were famous, famous in the way movie stars are famous now. And they were also socially mobile in the sense that they could marry um, well. They could marry very, very wealthy men. They could marry sometimes into royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, was in, and I was just interested. I mean, it just was um, very interesting um, to read about and then try and recreate that in the novel. So, so when um, they get married, what, what is uh-huh. what is the nature of their marriage then? Well, the nature of their marriage is one in which um, uh, women. So, okay. So, one of the things I learned was that women uh, were often free to choose their partner, mm. and um, so when this offer comes from Siddhartha to Yasodhara, she thinks about it and she makes a very um, informed decision to marry him, which actually would have been common in that time. Really? Uh, that Those were the kind of... There were, I remember encountering these five or six sort of marriage choices that a woman might make. And the lowest one was the Gandharva marriage, the marriage for passion. Um, so um, the highest... So in that sense, that was interesting. So Yasoda makes a good marriage. She decides she's going to marry somebody who um, she feels she can help, she can live a good life with and who also she can help build his career. You know, she she feels she can help build his career 
and um, that he's a nice man. Yeah. And um, she's also a woman who has a kind of um, very um, uh, a part of her is very private. It's like, and, and that's the part of me that I gave to her uh, in order to enter yeah. the character with this uh-huh. sense of feeling like you have a private self to which you have to fall back to in order to feel replenished. And she was worried that a man sensing that would want to kind of um, come in and plant plant himself in the middle of that. What she likes about Siddhartha, what she senses immediately, he also has that private sense of himself. He doesn't, he's not clingy, he doesn't, you know, always want her around him. And so that's very attractive to her as a person. And um, and because she has that private sense, that private life of a you know private soul, as it were, she just like me, um, yeah, has 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 a spousal relationship that's very important to her, but it's not the only important relationship. She has a web of relationships mm. that are friendships, especially with the women in her life, that are equally important and equally nurturing to her. And um, I wanted, I mean, that just sort of naturally came out in, in the character through this sense of her having this private self. Yeah, she's, she's a very rich character in that sense, that there are people around her. And um, the, the relationships with the other people that, that we read in the book are, are, are different, obviously, from, from one another. But um, it makes the character such a... Um, I, I guess when you're writing her, do you find that you like her a great deal? I mean, I, I, I guess you'd have to like her to a certain extent to want to write a whole book about her, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, really, I really liked her. But I also really liked him. I found yeah. uh, those chapters that were in his point of view were, um, were very challenging to write. I mean, because really it's something to try and write from the point of view of this man who would become the Buddha. But... Um, I really, I really liked doing that. I really liked, I liked being with her. I have to say that, yeah. that I mean, I love writing, uh-huh. but sometimes when you when I get up in the morning and go to the, you know, to write, it, I feel very um, intimidated by what I'm trying to do. But with her, once I got her up and running on the page, it felt it was always a pleasure to come to her in the morning and write from her point of view. Which I, I don't think I really have had to such an extent with any of my, any of my other uh, protagonists. Yeah, I, 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 she's a character that I really like reading about. I mean, I had to reread parts of the book um, over the last day or so to prepare for our chat today, and yeah. um, I, I remember, yeah, I did like her a great deal. Um, when the book opens, though, we we, um, we we see her being told that Siddhartha is alive. Um, how long has this separation been at that point? Well, he's been gone 10 years. He disappeared, and she assumes, because he went to be an ascetic monk, Mm -hmm. she assumes that he would have died. Right. Because at that time, before before he discovered or rediscovered Buddhism, as he puts it, um, the path was for a monk, uh, a a man, always a man, to leave and starve themselves to death as a way to get rid of their past karma and then not be reborn. And so she just assumed he would have done that. Uh, and then, lo and behold, he hasn't done that because the, the middle way, Buddhism, which is the middle way, doesn't really go for that kind of um, punishment of the body, but goes for a middle way. 
which is some which is kind of moderation. And so, yes, he is very surprised. Not that not, not that he's alive, but that he's become famous suddenly yeah. um, as this um, this teacher, um, and that you know he's gone and won over the most important man in their life in in that part of India. You know the the Emperor Bimbisara. Um, so, you know that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a double thing for her. You know, he's he's alive. He's a famous um, teacher and philosopher, and and he's got as his follower the most important man in the middle in in the in the middle country. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's interesting. How, I mean, so, that's yeah. So, so how does she 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 de- deals with the imba- abandonment for ten years? Now, what about the betrayal ten years later? How does she contend with that? Well, she's very bitter about it. Yeah, I'll bet. And very angry about it, um, and um, rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so, um, and um, yeah. And and, and um, in terms of. Um, what he's become, how yeah. much of, of that is shaped by her influence, say? Not at all. No. It's not shaped at all by her influence. It's, a, it's against her, uh, it's against what she wants. She, you know, it's, it's against the life that she um, signed on to with him. Um, and um, so the book is about her um Struggling with this man who has this vocation, yeah. um, and uh, as I think people who are unfortunately um, partnered with people with vocations do struggle with it, um, and um, she. So it's about the struggle, but it's also about his search for this philosophy that makes sense of the word. It, you know, it takes place in a different time and a different place, obviously, but but it, it's extremely relatable as one reads it. Oh, that's great to know. That's 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 wonderful. I mean, I think Buddhism does. For me personally, I think Buddhism has. Um, it, it's not some mystical, sure, yeah, yeah, difficult thing out there that you know you can't comprehend and all that. It's just actually very practical, and he intended it to be very practical. And, um, you know, he said, if this, if this is what the goal is, then here are the steps. And if you do this, then this is what happens. Um, and so on and so forth. I, I love that. I love that practical kind of, um, quality to it. But, you know, the other thing that's, that's kind of un, that's sort of a misnomer is Buddhism is, is assumed to be a forest religion. You know, it's a region of people going away into the forest yeah. and meditating and all that. But actually, it's an urban religion because all the Buddha's major monasteries were either in the great urban centers of his time or just in the suburbs of the, of the centers, you know, just beyond the city walls. And so, and it came out of the urbanization of India at that time and the massive um, accumulation of wealth by a small number of people. And that Siddhartha saw this because he was one of he was from a family that would have been at the top one one percent, and he saw this and he saw that uh, with that wealth and power also came unhappiness, yeah. and that this and that if you could be so wealthy and so powerful and still be unhappy, then something was wrong, 
and he wanted to try and figure out what that was. And so in that sense, it has a, a lot to say. I felt for me personally, it had a lot to say about myself, you know, about myself as an urban person living in also a period of great financial um, yeah. accumulation by a very small percentage of people. Yeah, that, that, that's what I think I, I meant by relatable, that that it, it, it is, is contemporary in a way with regards to, to what we're all experiencing in, in, in the world today. Yes. And I guess that's why people turn to, to this, this, this religion, don't they, or this, this faith or this spirituality, um, because they, they're searching for answers, aren't they? Yes, and I think, they, I think people are searching for answers. And, um, and I think it also, I mean, at the, at the base of sort of Buddhism is this idea that uh, the fact, I suppose, of human existence, that everything is subject to change. Yeah. And that this change and the changes and changes and changes and changes. Yeah. And we, and so how do you, A, remain peaceful or B, remain happy or C, remain even stable when everything around you is changing. <laughs> and interestingly, right now, this change has been thrown into this notion, this fundamental fact of, the, of change has been thrown into relief by the pandemic for all of us. Indeed, indeed. Um, Shaim, you, you spoke a moment ago about the, the sort of research that, that one has to do for a book like this. The, the thing that struck me when I read the, the thing in the, in the back of your book, in your acknowledgments, is the, the, there's such gaps in terms of the information on either her yeah. or especially Siddhartha. Um, yeah. These gaps, I guess, provide the place for you as the, the writer to, to go into and, and create. But but when you're doing the research, though, does it frustrate you when 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 there there are these these vast spaces that 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 need filling in, if you will? Um, no, because that's the exciting territory for a fiction writer mm. to imagine that. I mean, if, if it was all there, then maybe I would, you know, if there had been biography upon biography written sure, yeah. about the Buddha. Then, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I sort of act, you know, what I mean, if there was lots of biographical information about him, um, his early life, that is, that was yeah. factual, then I might be less interested or might have to take a different approach to it. But <clears throat> this lack made him, made it very, um, interesting. But I, I do feel, I did feel that once he achieved, um, you know, Nirvana and came back as a Buddha, that, I I think I thought I saw a very clear sense of who he was. So I just mm. figured out that was who he was before. Plus, you know, there's all sorts of um, there's a lot of information, um, both I mean, sort of in in books uh, about just generally about monks and how they like come to be monks, and you know, or even some of the Buddhist monks I've met whom I admire. There's always a sense from very early on that something's not right in the world for them, and that and that they also they also tend to be very um, introspective people. Um, so you know, I felt I could go with some comfort to that commonality, and and create Siddhartha. And with her, of course, you had all those stories of the women mm-hmm. that um, provided a, a sort of a, a sense of the life of women. So I didn't really. Um, Feel that I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, it, it, it seems like it's fun for you as the writer to, say, tackle a, a historical figure or figures, if you will, um, where there isn't 
much written about them and then create that? I mean, as someone who doesn't write, I would assume that that, that would be fun. Is it for you? Was it for you when you wrote this book? Yeah. It's fun, but it also allows me to do something else, which is to kind of try and fit those characters along the kind of, along Buddhist tenets. Right. You know, along sort of Buddhist ideas, particularly the idea of the three poisons of um, greed, uh, hatred, and delusion, and and, um, have the characters, while being um, sort of complex, at the same time, embody those things um, and come to some sort of understanding. Most, a lot of them do uh, that. That that this that there is this thing that doesn't work, um, such as wealth or power or political power. Right. Well, you. Uh, we started the conversation by 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 me asking you about your interest in in uh, both Yasodhara and and Buddha. Um, after you've written the book, though, um, are you? These are characters that that you've spent a lot of time with. Do you still think about them? I don't think about no because I moved on to another project. Right. Um, uh, but I what I do think about is that I mean not not even think about. I know I want to do a second book. Mm. Um, and but I don't know what it'll be about. I, I know it'll cover the later years of the Buddha's life. Um, but I have no idea how to approach that, except I know it will be said in the monasteries. And, and the reason I know that is because I want an excuse to go spend more time <laughs> in the monastery. Right. Not that one needs an excuse, but yeah, you know, at least yeah. one can say to oneself, well, I'm, you know, I'm here. Yes, yes, this is great for me, but I'm also working. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned working on another project now. Is, is, is that another film? No, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a children's novel. It's a fantasy novel. Um, which again, uh, with also very strong Buddhist themes, but also this, pardon? and this time also drawing in the um, sort of mythological um, the character, the mythological characters from from those Buddhist folk tales. Um, I haven't seen Funny Boy the movie. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you suggest that we read the novel before we see the film? Well, of course, I'm going to say that. <laughs> the novelist. <laughs> but but the, the 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 reviews for the film were were quite good, weren't they? I I, I was yeah. looking back at them. I I was uh, very happy to, to to see the the notices and 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 the collaboration with with uh, with uh, Deepa was was a good one for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you see this book in, uh, as a movie? Well, I don't. I mean, the thing is, you don't. I don't write a book thinking, okay, I, I, you know, I'm writing this book so it will be made into a movie, because I think books like that really are, are lousy. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, but of course, one always hopes for that. Um, apart from anything else, because of the money, <laughs> you can, and, and money yeah. always simply means one. It always only means one thing for me, which is time to write. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there there are scenes in in this book that that um, that I went back to reread as I said uh, uh, the last day or so and and they, they play in your mind like like these marvelous uh, uh, scenes you know the small small and big you know the, and I can see how you know people are saying you know the, the epic story telling of this book but I mean the marvelous little scenes that, that would make great scenes in the film. 
Well, I, I, I would, I mean, I, I would love that. I mean, it's a very human story. I mean, I yeah. think that yeah. the novel, I, I really wanted it to feel like a human story, even though it's about the Buddha. Yeah. Um, so, because he's not really the Buddha, and for most of the novel, he's just Siddhartha looking for something. Um, but I, um, yeah, I mean, when it, that's how you build a novel, isn't it? It's scene upon scene upon scene. Um, um, yeah. and, and they're just people, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're just people. Yeah, they're people interacting with one another, and then you can you read yourself sometimes or, or not, um, but you, you read the world around you, I guess. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Um, uh-huh. When I was actually writing it, it didn't feel like an epic, mm. and it was only when it was being, when people were reading it, my early readers, and because I, I to me it just felt like a domestic drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it and it does have that intimacy because it's very domestic in a way. Um, but um, so I was a bit taken aback when people kept using the word epic, and I had to actually think about that and think. Yes, yes, I guess you know. Yes, I guess it is epic, but I'm not really thinking. I'm not. I wasn't thinking about epic. You didn't see seek um, out to do that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it, it comes off, and it's just a marvelous read. Um, I, I can't wait to get back to it, so I'll, I'll let you go, um, and uh, so I can finish the book. Um, congratulations, Shai, I'm on it, and, and good you. luck with it. All the best. And thank you very much for having for interviewing me. The website for more is at shyamselvadurai.com. The book is called Mansions of the Moon. It's published by Knopf. It's author Shyam Selvadurai. Join me on the line from Toronto, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.